You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. Welcome for the online family. This is for you. We love you. We are glad to have you back because, yeah, it's always great to have that option when you cannot come in person. I just feel so blessed that I can just be online and be with you and I'm part of the family. Uh, so we welcome everybody uh, back to online church too. My name is Perla Samiris. For those of you that don't know me, it's nice to meet you. I'm part of the team who serves in this church. And today we're going to continue with the series that we've been going um, on. We are going through the Bible and the picture that God gave me since the very beginning, it's like jumping in a very wide ride, right? We are driving, we are going in the same car, and sometimes God says, pull over and park here. We'll talk about something, and then, okay, just go back to the road and continue driving until he says again, pull over. So it's like these resting stops. And today, we have two resting stops, okay? So one, as Rini says, it's justice. Uh, but I just love uh, this book. It's really, really challenging. We're going to see the challenges are going to be maybe different to what we might expect in our minds as human beings, but God is really, really good. So it's going to be good. Okay, so let's pray. Uh, we just want to invite the Holy Spirit to continue moving. Worship was amazing. Uh, he's been speaking already, giving everybody, I'm sure, words or pictures. So just grab a hold of them because that's, those are for you. And he wants to do something, okay? And he's going to either confirm or give you more words. I just had this picture of doors being opened and God releasing things today. He's going to be releasing blessings and gifts and healings. Uh, I just saw this picture, I guess, uh, very, very white light, like the lightning. Yeah. When he releases something, it's going to be like shooting the arrows of light and glory and healings as he speaks. Uh, so let's just be open to that. And you, in your heart, in your own words, just tell him, I want everything that you are having for me today because he prepared it for you and for me today since the beginning of the world, which is amazing. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you because you are real. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you are. And we just tell you this morning, right now, we want you. Holy Spirit, move like never before. We need you more than yesterday, today. And we want to see you. We want you touching our minds, our hearts, our bodies, release what you have in store for us. I just have this picture now that we just had Christmas. As a parent, you are more excited to see the kids opening the gift. And I just had this picture of God being excited because he's releasing these gifts and these blessings and these answers to prayer today. 
and he's excited for you and for me. But we thank you, Father, for how you are. And we say, yes, we want everything. We want you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Yes and amen. Okay, so I try, I try to go as fast or as slow as I can because there are many, many things. We're going to be talking about the book of Hosea. Uh, it's the first book of these shorter uh, books that we have in the Bible, which doesn't mean that it's in chronological order. I found out that there was another prophet preaching before Hosea, but we are going to be following the order that we have in the Bible. So we'll start with him. He, uh, just very, very quickly to give you the context, he lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. Do you remember how it was divided, the north and the south, the north being Israel and the south being Judah? He lived in the northern part, so he belonged to Israel. And he preached to the, to the people of Israel. What makes this more, every word that you read in his book makes it so powerful, at least to me, is that he is the last prophet to speak to the people of God right before they were taken into exile. So this is really like the last warning voice to like, please listen, listen to what God is speaking, okay? Uh, the economy at that time uh, it's interesting because they had a short period of peace, so the economy was really, really good. There was a lot of prosperity for some, as in any society, so some became very wealthy, but along that, there was extreme poverty, so it was not really great for everybody. Social and moral conditions were extreme poverty, a lot of injustice. Uh, everywhere, everything was wrong, immorality, uh, that was just going down a spiral, okay, every time. And the religious conditions were more or less the same. They were not good. And what we've been talking about before, uh, in November, December, previous months, continues right now, because Israel just goes farther away from God instead of coming closer to God. So this is what we see here. The style and content of Hosea, okay, I hope I can give you some kind of curiosity <laughs> for it because it's very intense. The style, it's metaphors. So when you tell maybe your husband, your wife, or a person you love, like, you are my son, like the sun in the sky, you're using a metaphor. He, he or she is not really the sun in the sky, but it's, you're using an, a picture to really express what you mean, right? So this is the book of Hosea. God uses a lot of pictures, and it's really, really interesting. So we're going to uh, have some pictures. We have there uh, the first uh, slide with pictures. What can you see? Do you see the pictures really well? Yeah, can you tell me what is it that you see? Rings. Lion, eagle, the bear and a tree, yes. So these are metaphors in the book of Hosea. What do you think God is using them? He's describing someone. Any guesses? 
Yes, himself, April. Yes, yes. So God is describing himself as a husband. It, that's a powerful picture, right? And he's like a tree, and he eventually says, your fruit comes from me. And he's like a lion, and he says, I'm going to fight as a lion or as a, as a mother bear whose babies were just taken away. So can you, can you imagine that intensity? Yes, the ego. So, and it's all of these pictures, which is amazing. So we have... On the other side, more metaphors, if we can go to the other slide and just tell me if you can identify what you see. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, yes, the metaphor for the picture in the middle. The Bible says, Israel, you are like a half-baked cake. And I like, I couldn't find a picture in Google of a half-baked Cake, a bake cake. And I'm like, whoa, that's one of the pictures. And it's very strong because you cannot read the whole book, but it says, you're like a half-baked cake. Like, it's useless, ready to be thrown away. It's a very strong picture. And we have a young cow, which are very famous because they are always stubborn. So God is like, Israel, you are like that. Very stubborn. And then what else can you see there? Fire. The image that he uses is like you are like a heated oven. And I'm like, what? I would have never thought about that picture. But he says, yes, because when people stop like putting wood or just fuel in it, what happens? The fire goes out, and he says, your love for me is like that. If you don't tend to the fire, it just goes out. You are like a heated oven. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, and a picture, it's like headless, like stock. And I know it's a plant, but I just imagine like a headless chicken. I think that would be like a better metaphor. Like you have no head, you have no eyes, you don't have any idea what's going on. So this is very, very strong metaphors. And this is the style. Uh, so the content of the book is, of course, the always go ongoing faithfulness of God, his love for Israel, okay? And the main metaphor going in the whole book, it's the next slide. What do you think is the main metaphor? A marriage covenant. But it's not any covenant. I just thought it was very, very strong of God to say, and in the whole book of Hosea, you find these verses like, you are like my bride, really my wife. I'm I feel I'm married to you. And the main really clear message in Hosea is the unfaithfulness of Israel, the wife. So what does God do? He talks to Hosea and he, God tells him, go and marry this woman. Her name is Gomer, knowing that she will be unfaithful. And I thought, oh. That's a big faith of Hosea. 
because I don't think any human being would do that. Go and marry a person that you know will be unfaithful to you. And you have to love that person no matter what. So Hosea, his own life becomes this prophetic message to Israel. Okay? And he just really lives his life like an open book displayed for everybody to see. I imagine it was really hard. They might be laughing at him. But he was saying, this is what God is saying with my life. Like, you are that wife. You are not faithful. You just go with others. And God loves you and loves you and loves you and loves you. And you just keep going and going and going. That's a really powerful message. Right? So I just thought, the picture, if I had a picture to describe this book of Hosea, that would be a roller coaster. <laughs> really, because it's intense, and you have ups, and then you have downs, and then you go up again. The ups being God's promises in the middle of everything, right? He confronts and tells Israel, you are like this, like that, the heated oven and everything. You are down. But then he says, like, but I'm with you. I won't leave you. All these promises and you are up. And then again, there we go down. And then again, we go up. And the language and the images are really strong. You can really feel the passion and all the emotions that are going on. So if you haven't read Hosea, I hope I'm challenging you to go and read because it's a wild ride. <laughs> so we have a lot of contrasts. And I came up with some of the most common words and feelings And I was, as I was reading. We have this passion and we have frustration. We have love and then we have rejection. We have mercy and we have judgment. We have patience and we have anger. And all of these are very strong emotions. And you can really see how God's heart is a heart where emotions also are. And he made us at his image. That's why we have emotions. And we can, we can identify with these feelings and concepts. So this is what's going on. Uh, we have this tension of yes, but no. And the main one being like, yes, Israel, you don't love me. As I love you, you are unfaithful, but I love you so much that how can I leave you? I never leave you. And we see this in chapter 11. We're going to read some of the verses, 8 and 9. And we read, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. And I just thought, that is so beautiful. I am God and not man. Because if he was going to react as a man, I don't want to think what would have happened. He is God, always loving. So we see God's heart. And I kind of wanted and tried to describe what we see in the book, that God's heart is always, and I love that in man in the worship got the same thing, always loving, 
always constant, always faithful, always merciful, always pursuing and even romancing us. Because we have this picture of a husband and that got like really deep in my heart. Like, oh, I usually don't think about you, God, as one romancing us. But he does. He does. Always merciful. Always just and righteous. Always. And that's a big contrast, like the roller coaster with Israel, because you cannot, or the human race, we cannot always say that, okay, the human heart is always any of those, right? We tend to change, we tend to go after other things. Uh, and he always reminds me this, what's going on in Israel with all these other pagan gods and the idols that they are worshipping and how they follow like the god sun and the god moon and the stars as gods, which I was thinking, well, I think that's going on in the present too because there are many people that follow the stars as a guidance for their lives and sadly even some that follow Jesus, because we cannot really see sometimes with our eyes, we tend to go for after others, like looking for a guidance. And God says, that's not what I want. I feel betrayed. I feel like the wife that is cheating on the husband when you do that. And that picture is strong and it's very, very powerful. So... That made me just have a question in my mind. Where do I go to when things get difficult? If it's, is it other than God? That's an other. And that's just for us to just think and keep in mind. Okay, if we need to, I, I just had this picture. If I need to write it down, I write it down because I want to deal with this quickly. Okay, my help and... In the book of Hosea, God says, your help comes from me. Your provision comes from me. Your fruit comes from me. Like, I'm your everything, and I want to be your everything. No others in your life. So we have these promises, and we have judgments. And there were two things that he highlights in the book. And this is like the pullover, and we'll take a stop here. Uh, what is the lack of knowledge of God? And that's in chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. The, meaning that knowing God, they consciously, intentionally rejected the fact of going after him, of knowing him. And that, that's a big rejection. So God is saying, I'm going to reject you too. You cannot be in front of me before my presence. And since you have forgotten the law or the word of your God, I will also forget your children. And this is a very, very powerful word. And Hosea is using all of this strong language because he wants them. It's like, I want to shake you. Like, come to your senses. We have a really good God. 
and God in the middle of everything, yes, declaring judgment, but also declaring blessings. And this is like a reminder of all that we've been seeing. Remember that God is so faithful. He so does not lie that when he spoke in Genesis, Exodus, all the books that we saw, Deuteronomy especially, about the curses and the blessings, remember? Being faithful and just means that he has to go with his word. If Israel didn't obey or broke the covenant, the consequence is going to come because God cannot lie. And that's part of being just and faithful. So he's remembering and speaking. Okay, So one is the lack of knowledge is dangerous. When you stop going to the word of God, really going after him, it's dangerous. You can just derail. I just had the picture of a train going like crazy speed and you can end anywhere. Um, the second one, it's arrogance and pride. Hosea 7, 10, 11 says, The pride of Israel testifies to his face. The pride testifies against a person. Yet they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him. Ephraim is like a dove, silly and without sense. Another version says they don't have discernment. And they go to others for help. In this case, it's Egypt and Assyria. Okay? So I was thinking, okay, the opposite of arrogance, the opposite of pride. What would that be? Humility. Yes. And I was thinking, maybe total dependence. Because arrogance and pride made me want to do everything on my own. And do not ask for help. Yes, surrender, dependence. Okay? And again, Imani that word in the worship, you, it's safe to trust in him. His presence is the safest place to be. You can trust him completely without any doubt. So God's character is revealed through the whole book, through the intensity of the language and the images. And we have promises. One of the promises, and I think it goes with the word that I got in the worship, it's Hosea 2.15. He talks about a door of hope. And he's talking to Israel saying, okay, now if there's no going back. You are going in exile. But then he gives a big promise, and this is the promise. And there, in the desert where God will take you, I will give her Israel, the wife, bride, her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Acre the place where they are going, and that means trouble. I was like, okay, I'm going to take you to this place of trouble. But there, in that place, that very place, I'm going to make it a door of hope. And there, she, Israel, shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And we have to park here. Because this place of trouble, and again, Imani, that's what's very interesting. She said, this year might bring hard things. And I just thought, oh no, that's the place of trouble. Uh, but God promised Israel, that's going to be a door of hope. And that's when I saw 
this door being open and God releasing and depositing a lot of his things, his presence, his glory in each one of us. So I thought, okay, how do you think Israel responded? Okay, reading this verse. He wants Israel to respond as in the days of her youth, as at the time when he just delivered them from Egypt. And I was thinking, oh, we saw that already because we read, right? They are not slaves anymore. They walked on dry land and they saw the walls of sea to the right and to the left and they went in the middle. They saw how God saved them. They saw the cloud of the glory of God in the day guiding them. And they saw the cloud of fire at night protecting them. They heard the voice, the thunder, Moses, the glory of God in his face. How do you think they responded? How do you imagine they felt? Free and excited and thankful. And I just imagine this passion, whatever God would speak, they would believe immediately, right? Whatever God said, yes. If God said no, they were no. Complete trust. And I just thought, wow, this is a very strong theme in the book of Isaiah. Come back to the days of the beginning. How were you when you first discovered Jesus, when you first gave him your life? Do you remember the feeling? Do you remember the faith? Do you remember how you used to walk and maybe the happiness? And it's something that he's been speaking to me for a long time. And I just felt like, okay, if you share just a little bit, maybe, He's going to release hunger because there was so much hunger and thirst of him and his word. I would read the Bible in less than a year because those plans were not enough. And Terry came to my mind because she has that hunger for the word of God that when you open the word of God, the glory and the presence just come to you and your life. So I used to do that for years. And I'll tell my kids, I can tell you, I read the Bible at least 15 times whole. But then things get busy, and God has been telling me, I want you to go back to that time. I still read, but I don't read every day, or I don't read as I want to. And there's this hunger, like we have to go back to God's word and to his presence and looking for that. Another thing at the beginning, the healings. I didn't know what was happening then, and he just reminded me that I had a neighbor upstairs, and he was doing a a little girl's hair, my neighbor's hair. And then the girl comes running downstairs, and Perla, something is happening. The lady just fell down on the floor, and it's going weird. She was having seizures. And I just went upstairs, I didn't know, and I saw this lady, my neighbor, having seizures on the floor, and I didn't think anything, I just said, let go of her in the name of Jesus. And she went like, stopped, healed. And I was like, oh, that was at the beginning. I saw healings, people that didn't want to believe in him, 
uh, opposition because they everything in my culture is like if you are not here it's a cult or it's something weird so it was really opposition even in my house very strong opposition I will start praying for these people and they would be healed God would heal them and Friends, I didn't. I was the first one get, coming to Jesus in my family. I didn't have any Christian friends, and I started just praying, "Lord, I need Christian friends. I need help." Instead of him bringing new Christian friends, he got to all of my friends, and they became followers of Jesus, and they still follow Jesus. And that is something like, "Oh, that was the beginning." That was the thirst, that the hunger. And he still does that, but it's not the same. Like, I need to go back to that place. During the pandemic, we didn't see anybody. And I was like, Lord, what's going on? I need something is missing. And he reminded me. I was praying for people over the phone. And two of my aunts received Jesus and gave their lives to Jesus over the phone. Like, I want to go back to that place where I can see God. I can see him in action. He can just be felt and you speak. And I was telling him, you have to do something. Hunger and thirst of God. Going back to those times, to that feeling, to that faith. Faith that doesn't, it's, a, it's not afraid of going to the unknown. If you know part of my testimony, God brought me to this country, to the unknown. And he said, you're going to go? Part of being free to grow in me and worship me because I didn't have that freedom. And I said, yes. And when I think back, I came with $100. I had nothing else. And i like, I don't know if I would do that now. If you tell me, go to another country, leave your family, leave everything. And here it's just $100. And I see you there. It's... It, it makes my heart hunger for that. Like I need that 100% faith that when you speak, I have no doubt you'll catch me and you'll do. And I saw supernatural provision. And like I want to see that now. Supernatural provision coming to your house and have the cabinets full of food and you lack nothing because you are real and I need you today. And that's what he's talking about in Hosea. Like, there's this place. There's so much more. Just don't get happy in the place that where you are. Because there's so much more. So much more. That's one parking space. He took me again, like, okay, let's continue reading. And there's the second parking, parking space or resting place of justice and mercy. And it's just as intense or as strong in his heart as the other things. Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire and delight in loyalty. And another translation says, I desire mercy rather than sacrifice. My Spanish translation says, I want mercy more than sacrifice. And I delight in the knowledge of God, in you coming to me and wanting to know me. I delight in that more than in offerings. 
And that just confirmed to me. Sometimes we just do the works and we obey the works. Like, okay, I'm supposed to pray during the day. Or maybe just read one verse or just do it because I need to check the list. But God says, no, empty works doesn't mean as much to me as mercy because you reflect my character or wanting to know me. That is so much important because from there, from that place, it's going to flow the rest. Hosea 10, 12 says, So with a view to righteousness, that righteousness like a seed may germinate. And I just had this picture of um, binoculars. Like you're going doing something, an action of justice. Have heaven's perspective put on like, like glasses. And try to focus on the future when it's going to be yielding fruit. Right now, it's a little step of something towards justice. But in the future, you're going to see the fruit of it. So reap in accordance with mercy and loving kindness. Break up your uncultivated ground. So prepare the soil. For it is time to seek and search the Lord. And to long for his blessing. Until he comes to reign righteousness and his gift of salvation on you. And I love this picture. Because I was thinking, wow. Justice. So many things going on at this time in the world that are so unjust. And God says. This is what I want you to do. And I want to do through you. I want to come down and rain justice on you. And I just had this picture. How would that look like? Starting with what's known as the nucleus of society. You start with family. How would justice look like in your family? Like complete respect complete unity, complete equality, complete peace and harmony, the absence of, of injustice, and then extend it a little bit. How would that look like in your neighborhood? And then go one step further. What about your city? And then how about our state? Like God reign justice on New York. How about the nation? And since God has a church in the whole planet, how would it look like on the whole planet? And that's his heart. And we are supposed to be like our father is. So the question that we are going to have and we are going to be able to think through the week because it's a big question. It's what aspect of injustice sits in your heart? When you see stuff happening, when you see the news, there are so many things. Sometimes I'm watching the news and oh, I just feel this in my heart. Like I just want to, I'm upset, I'm offended, I'm everything. And Lord, like, why is this happening? And just pray about it. But that's part of God's heart. 
you have that reaction because his heart hurts with injustice. That was not his plan. It's not his plan. So we have this return to me. He gave us at the end of the chapter, he gave us the answer, like, what are you supposed to do now? Hosea 14, 1 and 2. It says, return. Return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your wrongdoing. And then to take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, and I was like, you even say what we need to say. <laughs> take away your guilt and receive us graciously so that we may present the fruit of our lips. And I was like, that's very familiar. Return, which is another word for repent, and take words, which is just confess. And that's the same thing that Paul said in Romans. If you want to come to God, if you want to come to Jesus, just it's a turnaround. Leave the old, return to me, and confess that Jesus is God. Just have to believe that he died for you and for me, and that's the confession. Just speak it out loud. And that's what we have to do. So I just had this really, really clear in my heart that this comeback is something that we need to respond to. And he gave me two areas which I was really surprised. It was really from him. One is, if you already walk with Jesus and you just felt that hunger and longing, like there's more and I need that and I want that, we need to pray for that. And I'm the first one. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to ask for people to pray for me because I've been praying for that for a long time. But these weeks have been really, really like I just need, I want those days back. And it has to be better because now we are supposed to be being transformed. We are growing. It's a process. And Lord, I want to see you and I need to see you. So if you feel that hunger and that longing, let's just maybe raise our hands or stand up because we're going to have people coming and praying for you. So maybe standing up because we're going to be praying for other things. And I'm already standing up. So I want that. I need that, Lord. I have that hunger. I have that longing. I want to see you when I pray. I want to see you in action. I want to see miracles. I want to see healings. I need to see your justice coming and reigning on us. What was before can be done again because he's the one doing it. And the second turning back, it's the repent thing. And he highlighted the words like, take the guilt away. So if you know, and it's just between you and God, there's something in your heart that you identify as guilt. You just feel guilty for some reason. Uh, just come to God. And he will take the guilt away today. And he revealed something interesting to me. Uh, he revealed to me that there's a thing that he calls the guilt of the innocent. And I didn't know that. 
But he made me feel that there are many people that for something that they went through when they were young or even adults, you are a victim of something. And being a victim, some kind of spiritual being or a person plays guilt in you and it's, it's, you're not guilty. And he, he told me this is the guilt of the innocent. I want to take that guilt away because it's not theirs to carry. And he wants to say, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I want to take that guilt away because you are not guilty. So if you are in one of these returnings, coming backs, I want that. We're going to pray for you. Stand up. You can raise your hand if you want to remain seated. Raise your hand. We're going to come and pray. But God does want to heal. He wants to heal minds somehow. When he gave me the picture of the woman with the seizures, it had to do with the mind too. And he's, I don't know if it's balancing chemistry or just healing whatever was placed there, uh, but he wants to make your mind whole. Depression, that is a lie that is going to be broken too. So Father, we just ask you, come Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord and start moving and touching. Take the guilt away. We take that guilt to the cross and we declare that it was nailed in the cross by Jesus. And when he said, it is done, it was done. And there's no more guilty in your children right now in the name of Jesus. There's no more guilt in the name of Jesus. Whatever what the guilt was for, if it was for something that you did, it just disappears. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Just tell him, I want you in my life. And the guilt goes away in the name of Jesus. The guilt of the innocence is canceled in the name of Jesus. You are innocent that was placed, but it's not supposed to be there. Father, we pray against that guilt. It loses its power. We cancel the influence. In the name of Jesus, just leave. Goes away in the name of Jesus. And it's replaced by the glory of the Holy Spirit, by supernatural peace and joy and freedom that you're going to start experiencing.